Welcome back to episode 15 of an Irish Simpsons chat show. Kean back again after a uh, what was meant to be a quite a short hiatus ended up being a little bit longer than, than I thought. But aside from that, um, I'm delighted today to be joined by Tyg McKenna. Uh, Tyg, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And Tyg is involved in um, the industrial workers of the world, is what generally as well, and also is chairing a new society in UTC, the UTC Co-op Society. I, I suppose to get the ball rolling, um, people who aren't fully aware, do you want to um, give us a rundown of what Co-op Society is? So, I mean, like, the, to really understand what we're trying to do is, like, because not everybody is familiar with what a Co-op is. So, quickly, very quickly, a Co-op is, uh, it's a way of running something democratically. So, uh, the way most businesses are run now, it's all based on ownership and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, like, one particular person or a group will own the company uh and they 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 basically reap most of the rewards as a result whereas the idea of a co-op is that things like companies or housing uh or even schools uh can be run democratically uh by a group of people uh and there is a lot of issues that students face uh, in particular uh surrounding housing uh housing is a big issue in terms of supply uh, quality uh, and the costs associated with it. So what UCC Co-op Society wants to do is it wants to, uh, well, I mean, uh, in, over in Edinburgh in Scotland, uh, there is a, a student cooperative housing uh, group uh, and they've had huge success. Uh, and so we wanted to try and replicate that kind of success uh, in Ireland uh, just to to give students uh, an opportunity to have an alternative, basically, uh, in terms of quality, uh, affordable uh, student housing, uh, and then work with the community to kind of spread that around and see if we can go even further. But that's all very long term. Uh, kind of what we hope to do on campus is spread around the practical skills involved in being involved, like involved with uh, organizing such an organization uh, and building a sense of community so that when the opportunity presents itself, we can take advantage of it. Uh, and in a nutshell, that's really what UCC Cooperative Society is about. Yeah, that, that, that's really interesting. I think people, um, a lot of people who maybe have started looking into left-wing ideas have probably read about worker co-ops and things like that. And um, they're not something that's obviously very popular in Ireland. And do you think that uh, bringing in something like the, the UCC Co-op Society could uh, lend to changing an attitudes towards those sort of uh, organisations? I mean, yeah, uh, I think because we're in a university, we're in UCC, uh, it's a good place to start because, I mean, like UCC, uh, like a, a university is where you go to broaden your horizons kind of deal. But even if you're looking at ways that cooperatives have kind of taken off in places like the United States, I mean, we all think of the United States as like this hyper capitalist society, but it has a strong tradition of co-ops. Uh, and if you look at the idea of the, the Cleveland model, which is a particular model of uh, a community of co-ops, so not only just would it be housing co-ops, but also worker co-ops, uh, uh, artist collectives, the like like that. Uh, yeah. Universities are a key part of that model in terms of uh, providing assistance uh, to, to that community uh, and acting as a kind of an anchor point. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, it's a... Uh, we we're in a good position basically 
just starting out. We're we're it's all it's all sticks and stones and plans at the moment, but we're trying to uh, to build up from where we are, and I, we think UCC is a is a good place to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And am I right in saying that the UCC Co-op Society is the first society of its kind in Ireland? It is indeed. Uh, yeah. So uh, we we have that going for us. I mean, like a lot of our inspiration is coming from the achievements that they've had over in the UK. Uh, with similar movements, uh, they have a much stronger and broader uh, movement over there uh, for an, a number of reasons, uh, and we're hoping to kind of kickstart that here in Ireland. Uh, I mean, one of one of the things that we really hope to do is uh, getting a, a student housing co-op set up down in Cork. It's not just going to be UCC. I mean, CIT, uh, you know, also also a, a big. Uh, student hub in in the city so uh like it, it this needs to spread across uh institutions as much as it can uh and we we hope that we can kind of uh do that there yeah i think you you, you clearly have like a, a very ambitious plan in place and that's 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 absolutely to be, to be commended it, it sounds fantastic i'm only disappointed that i'm not in ucc this year to take part but um i suppose just as a final question on on co-op society would be um, it was, I think, around a few months back, I, I started noticing you guys on social media, and there seems to have been a lot of interest in the society. You've garnered a pretty large following, um, reasonably large following, uh, early on. Um, were you surprised by the interest people have had in the society? I mean, yeah, yeah, like we're we're, we're definitely dreaming big, uh, but with regards to people taking interest, uh, I mean. People don't really notice co-ops is something that I've, I've, I've kind of I've seen. Uh, I mean, if like Ireland does have a history of co-ops, but mainly agricultural, like the, the creameries and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, even in the Irish Civil War or the War of Independence and Civil War, like Ireland had a big cooperative scene. Uh, and even in modern times in Cork, uh, currently you have the likes of the co-op down on the quay. Uh, uh, and they're 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 great. They they are they're a multi kind of faceted uh, business down there, run by workers. Uh, so they're a, a restaurant and a, a bookstore and a, a shop. Uh, but and yeah, so there's there's there is like there is a legacy of pe- people will have heard of like relatives having been active in like uh, a, a co-op way back. I know that that's something that kind of came up with people with me. Uh, like it turns out that I had distant relatives who were. Uh, heavily involved in like previous cooperative scenes and I thought I was being original but no uh so yeah like a, a bit of it is that and then of course there's the fact that students like we were on the kind of a precipice of another kind of economic downturn uh so work uh rent all that kind of stuff that's all kind of been thrown up in the air there's there's not a lot of certainty particularly for students and so alternatives which present themselves as, uh, you know, being more stable, being more accountable, uh, being more accessible, uh, there's a lot of appeal there. Uh, and of course, like people are always interested to like, it's it's a new, exciting thing for a lot of people, myself included. So, yeah, like, uh, I, I wouldn't say surprised, but we're we're glad that we have as much engagement as we do. Yeah, that's 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 fantastic. And 
I suppose, leaving that there, uh, best of luck with the rest of the year. I'm going to be keeping a keen eye, and I couldn't encourage other people to, to do so enough. Um, I suppose we'll give a shout-out to the social medias at the end. But you also mentioned that you were involved in the Industrial Workers of the World, which um, is something that I'd kind of come across and seen on social media. But for people who aren't familiar, as I'm not too familiar with, do you want to give a, a bit of an insight into the work that, that, that you do? Okay, so the Industrial Workers of the World, it's it's an instrument, so the IWW, uh, most people might be familiar with them uh, through that term or even the term wobblies, but so like founded over a hundred years ago uh, as a union uh, in initially America. Uh, and they're basically, yeah, it is, it is, a, it is a, what's called an industrial union. So the idea of a trade union is it's for a particular craft uh, or particular group. Whereas an industrial union takes the kind of trade union approach, but for everybody. So instead of, let's say, uh, there being a teacher's strike and just the teachers going on strike, uh, in an industrial strike, it would be everybody who works in the building. So the cafeteria staff, uh, janitors, anything like that, uh, they'd all go on strike together. And so it's, it's, it's about solidarity. Unionism is kind of the thing or, well, I mean syndicalism is the term that we prefer to use because unionism is you know it has different connotations in ireland uh so yeah so it's it's uh it's yeah it's it's a group basically fighting for workers rights at a grassroots level uh so it's 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 from the bottom up rather than top down uh and it's 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 again solidarity unionism is the kind of the the, the term that's used for solidarity syndicalism uh and uh, yeah, it's 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 gone global. Uh, so like there there'd be the branch in uh, America, there'd be the branch in Australia. There's the the mainland European branch, uh, and then there's the branch for the the islands which we're on. Yeah, how how did you get involved uh, in it? Yeah, so I found the IWW uh, myself. I was just kind of looking around. Uh, for a kind of a group which kind of you know you know when you're when you're getting politically active or whatever mm-hmm. you, you're trying to find that group which fits in with what you like and the IWW was that group for me uh, it made a lot of sense in terms of their approach to things uh, the idea that it is uh, the workers coming together uh, to help resist and fight back against uh, the bosses and capitalism as a whole uh and uh the wage system and it is like they're they're a very interesting group because they're very multifaceted so the the whole approach of the iww and what makes them the radical union that they are is the fact that they will unionize anybody uh so if you are homeless if you're a student uh if you're a prisoner if you're an environmental activist if you're an artist uh, if you are a bricklayer, if you are a teacher, uh, as long as you don't have the ability to fire anybody, and as long as you're not a police officer, uh, then they will unionize you. Uh, and so they're they're a very interesting group, and that kind they're they're kind of policies and well, the the approaches that they have taken over time uh, really appeals to me, uh, and so I got involved, and they make themselves very easy to get involved with. And I suppose just just um, very specifically with in Ireland, um, what kind of work have you done with the IWW in Ireland, or, or have they done in general? Okay, so I'm very involved in the the student side of things, uh, so uh, the the kind of the, the student experience, and we're we're really trying to build ourselves up at the moment 
uh, we don't have any great presence, uh, but we're, we're, we're doing what we can. Uh, and so, I mean, uh, most of what I've done has been advising uh, fellow students who have running into issues with work uh, on the, the approaches that they, they can take uh, in their situation. Now, I'm not going to name names or situations or anything like that. But uh, at a wider union level, uh, we're running kind of a, a number of projects. So I'm not sure if you've seen, but recently there's been a case where in Bangladesh, uh, 6,000 workers were laid off and uh, some uh, and uh, the, this garment factory uh, which did this uh supply a number of like key chains and brands uh in over here uh such as little is the the one who uh, continues to not divest themselves and so the iww have organized a number of protests uh against little uh or their continued involvement with dragon sweaters uh and that's kind of the current ongoing thing that we have just to raise awareness of this uh and so that's kind of the advantage of having uh, an international kind of level as well to the IWW i mean like there's there there are these like international issues and so international solidarity would be the solution is the idea uh and we have uh, it, it has been successful in getting a number of groups to divest from uh dragon sweaters but sure the, the the fight continues there kind of thing uh also kind of involved in the the ecological side of things uh so the iww has a very like long and proud long and proud tradition of supporting ecological uh causes like the work judy barry did with the redwoods uh over in uh north america there and uh so we're, we're doing some uh activism uh around that as well uh while we can uh, as well as against direct provision, of course, and, and other stuff like that, um, and uh, the situation now. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. I think you've given a great insight there for people uh, anywhere, really, who are listening to, if they want, if that sounds like something they would like to get involved in. And I couldn't encourage people enough, really. It's something I'm going to have to ask you for a little bit more info on how to get involved in the break, because um, something so international sounds fantastic. And um, obviously, as well, got the, the co-op society so before we go to a break do you want to maybe just give a quick shout out to the social medias for co-op society um just because we'll in case we forget at the end yeah no worries there so you can follow us on twitter at uh, ucc uh, co-op sock so at u c c c o o p s o c too many c's there in the middle but uh <laughs> Yeah, so we're the we're the UC, we're the UCC Cooperative Society. You can find us there. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. And I suppose for the next few months, you'll I, I assume you'll be running um, events online, so people can definitely I suppose it's a, it's as good a time as any to start checking things out, especially if um, well, am I am I am I right? Am I making the right assumptions? There? Oh oh yeah, you definitely are. I mean, okay. with the with the COVID nineteen situation, we've had to move all of our stuff in in an online direction, which is a bit of a shame. We were hoping to be a very social kind of inclusive community style society uh and that's harder to do online uh but no we have a number of projects in the work and uh i think if i'm if i have the time frame right the uh the promotional stuff for one of them should be hitting our social media fairly soon so there's no better time to be checking us out absolutely fantastic and i suppose with that we'll we'll call it half time
And uh, in the second half, myself and Tyg will discuss season 16, episode 21 of The Simpsons, which is the father, the son, and the holy guest star. Maud Simpson, welcome to Protestant heaven. Ruin one, hurrah! Poppy, have you seen Dash? But where's Homer and Bart? <gasps> well, up here, that feels good. Now dance, ya heavenly gobs! So welcome back to part two of episode 15 of an Irish Simpsons chat show. I'm still here with Tyg, and we're going to discuss season 16, episode 21 of The Simpsons, which is the father, the son, and the holy guest star. Um, as a quick rundown for people, I'm sure a lot of people, when I when I start breaking it down, will remember this episode. Bart gets expelled from um, Springfield Elementary. Uh, he gets enrolled in a Catholic school. And then a young priest, played by Liam Neeson, converts Bart and Homer to Catholicism, or at least tries, and then Marge, Ned Flanders, and um, Reverend Lovejoy have to try and get them back to Protestantism. A slightly strange premise for an episode, but a fantastic episode in my opinion. Uh, Tyke, why did you choose this episode? Oh man, I, I don't know even where to begin. Like it, It's just, it has very good bits and lines, like small little subtle things, uh, which are just like hilarious on, on reflection for me. But uh, I I think I think it's very interesting uh, from like a a kind of a politics and religion standpoint because it's a thing that The Simpsons occasionally drags up and often when they're doing Irish episodes I know that uh, uh, one of your previous guests uh, picked the the other kind of big Catholic Protestant episode uh, which was centered around St Patrick's Day and it kind of goes into like uh, it has like Lisa saying things like it always comes down to transubstantiation, which is, you know, if you're an Irish person and you're aware of the history involved in the, the in the Republican unionist conflict like that, that's, that's barely an issue uh, at, at the end of the day. Uh, and so like it, this one has a lot more interesting insights. Uh, if you, uh, if you look at it, I mean, like at the end, it has uh, kind of Bart re-embracing Protestantism with its whole young Christian soldiers paintball program. And it, it, it says a lot of things and it says them much better than other episodes do, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's just funny for me as well, because I think Ireland in, in real life has a very casual approach to Catholicism. Like, you know, it's expected that you get your, uh, that you get your confirmation and, and uh, communion and the like. Uh, and that's that, that until recent years, that hasn't really been questioned. And even now it's just like a thing, like the idea of the, the Catholic atheist is a thing which people make constant jokes about on social media. Uh, you know, you'll have a family of atheists and every single one of them has been confirmed. Whereas in America, like it's it's much more contested. Like it's much more being Catholic is much more of a commitment. Uh, and then there's like we we have like Catholic schools here, and that's you know there's historical reasons for that, and like the the state outsourcing that work to the Catholic Church. Whereas in America, you know the Catholic schools are private schools. There's kind of a, a divide there. So it just says some interesting things 
uh, with some hilarious jokes. Yeah, it's one of those episodes that kind of uh, a single moment sticks out in my head. I, I presume for a lot of people where um, Marge has a vision of Catholic and Protestant heaven. I think that's probably something that a lot of people remember. That's, that's one of the most iconic scenes, yeah. Absolutely, and you you can just dismiss the episode as that episode. Whereas um, when I rewatched it, um, both times I rewatched it, I, I really enjoyed it. There were some really good lines, um, a number of good jokes about, like you said, about um, Catholicism versus Protestantism. But I think one of the strangest things, like you said, is the fact that they are even knowledgeable of the divide between Catholics and Protestants in Ireland. It, it it's it's more than just surface level as well when they make references in The Simpsons, and like you said, they do it quite well in this episode. Um, like Homer mentions that the Catholics have everything going for them, like the good part of Ireland and things like that. It's just such a strange thing to even bring up in for me, maybe uh, in comparison to a lot of other American media where these things usually just aren't mentioned. It's very kind of US focused and as is a lot of America and American television, you know, that, that they, they you know, however many Americans don't have passports and never leave the country. And it's unusual for a, a show to make such niche references to foreign affairs i suppose yeah. in many ways and i just i do think as well um when you were talking there about the the changes obviously to not even the changes the way things are in ireland that um catholicism is such an ingrained part of our school system and like like i said i'm an atheist but i am confirmed in the church because by the age of 12 i was locked in and there's there's no yeah way out yeah yeah uh, um so the, but um there is also a, a later episode and it was one that really stuck with me as a young kid where um it's like such a it's meant to be like a bizarre um look at schooling and they split the school down the middle they make a boys school and a girls school and the kind of joke of the episode is that imagine how crazy that would be um and i think that kind of it's maybe one of the best things about the the modern age is that we can look at some of the things that are so ingrained in our system in ireland like for people maybe who aren't irish or, or that they're listening in ireland i'd say most schools at this point are traditionally at least would have been split down the middle um yeah I, I can safely say that i went to an all boys secondary school yeah. yeah which which for other countries is entirely unheard of you know and in the simpsons like you said which is a like i said which is a global show um they made a, a joke of how bizarre that would be so it's 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 a it's a strange it, it's a strange that sorry. yeah there's there's kind of a moment of uncanny valley there yeah yeah, the, the Simpsons kind of makes you reflect. Uh, like it, it made me, at least, anyway, reflect on my own um, experiences a lot more, and kind of going, "Wait, this isn't totally normal." You know, if you grow up in a system and you're told this is the way it is, and then you realize that's not the way it is really, and why should it be like that? It, it, it's so bizarre. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose um, with this episode, I did say to you in the in the bit beforehand that this is a very kind of um, religious. Uh, season the season not religious sorry it has a lot of um, religious themes like there's an episode where Homer becomes a reverend I think uh, or a minister sorry um, there's an episode where obviously this episode where, where they become Catholic there's an episode where Flanders learns that women are becoming cam girls in his room um, and there's a the, an episode where Homer um, become learns of the rapture and meets God kind of a, a strange um, focus for the season to have yeah you know, a strange a strange mix there yeah um and, it's it's weird that in a way it kind of leans so heavily on certain characters. Like uh, I was reading in beforehand that this episode was actually due to be aired in a different order, but it was rearranged because um, death of Pope John Paul, I think. Yeah, Pope mm. John Paul died, so they, they didn't want to play it the same week out of respect. But in the end, the season ends with an episode where the, the, the third to last episode is Homer learning about the rapture. Second to last episode is Flanders. I think it's I haven't actually seen the episode in years, but 
there's definitely some deep religious themes in Flanders uh, kind of reflecting on his own religions, religiousness. And then the final episode is this kind of Catholicism versus Protestantism. It, it's a it's a strange strange focus to have, really, um, not only for a season but also for such a such a run of episodes. But uh, they do handle it quite well. It doesn't uh, it doesn't drag the episode at all. And in in fact, it it, it the jokes that they make um, are far from preachy, you know. Mm. And uh, I mean, like w- one of the things that I really actually like about the, the this particular episode uh, is the the kind of the character development that you get for Flanders. Because like everybody knows that Flanders is like the the, the overly friendly guy next door, uh, but he is like deeply uh, and perhaps fundamentally religious, uh, and that that kind of comes through in this show where like he is pitted against essentially a Catholic priest, uh, mm-hmm. and like there, there's 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 a great moment where like uh, the the Reverend realizes that Bart and Homer aren't coming to the Protestant church anymore. And he asks, like, Marge where they are, and, like, Flanders is nearby, like, oh, this this calls for an assembly of, like, the, the Faith and Community Council, and it's just himself and the Reverend. Uh, like, that, that, was, that, was, that was funny for me, anyway. Uh, and I do think that every, every single parish in Ireland has that person, you know, the guy who, or the guy, or, or the woman, in many cases, um, who are holier than holy, like Flanders is, and I think that's kind of part of his character, really, is that he... Um, is you know he, there's many times where you know he rings the reverend to ask about a, a, sec, a verse of the Bible and the, the reverend doesn't fucking clue what he's on about you know so yeah yeah um, yeah and while I think this is kind of the last of the seasons of The Simpsons because as a kid I had a, a large number of them on, on DVD that my dad used to get them and I think I had up until about fifteen or sixteen so I would have watched these episodes um a lot. But as things go on, Flanders gets more and more just the, his all, the only part of his character is that he's religious. And maybe you start to see that a little bit in this episode, but there is still other other good sides to, to him. And um, some of the jokes, like I, I couldn't catch what it was on the side, just I couldn't remember. But the, when they have the, the mystery machine, I don't know what they had on the, on the side instead of mystery machine. But um, the, the, the Faith Council were driving, which was just Flanders and the Reverend. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of Mystery Incorporated from Scooby Doo. Yeah. The little hippie van. I, I like that. Those little touches were, were fantastic. And I suppose moving on from, from this specific episode, and I ask everyone, Tyg, who's your favorite character in The Simpsons? That's a really tough one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, it's like, honestly, I'd, I'd be very hard pressed to choose because like they're, they, they have some great characters uh, in uh, Sideshow Bob is, is quite good <laughs> just as like a, a deranged overly dramatic uh, guy but if I, if I had to choose uh, oh god I'd probably go with Mo just as like the most uh, underhanded uh, like <laughs> yeah just like the most like Un- unlovable, underhanded, you know, always down on his luck, but, you know, always trying to make a way for himself. Mo, just, uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting character. Um, I definitely think he has some, some of the best kind of, maybe unlike Family Guy cutaway jokes, but, you know, the jokes where it cuts to Mo, whether it be a Bart ringing him on the phone. Definitely one of my favourite characters as a child, just for those kind of absolutely laugh-out-loud moments. Mm. Um, 
just there's is there one moment where Bart rings him on the phone and he says he's gonna like cut out his eyes and boil his ears? And stuff <laughs> and stuff. He used, to, used to always get me as a kid. Um, and then also, I suppose as you grow a bit older and you watch The Simpsons, Moe's character he develops quite well. And there's there's a great episode where he becomes friends with Maggie. I don't know if you've seen yes. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had some real humanity to him. Um, as kind of a, a lonely soul. Yeah, he soul. he also kind of has this thing for marriage as well. Which uh, it, it, it leads interesting places when it's explored. Yeah, and I, I think he's he's one of those characters that um, the more that they use him, sometimes you know, certain characters like with Flanders, they use him kind of too much and they run out of things to say. Mm. Um, and Marge kind of ended, or sorry, Flanders kind of ended up being just a parody of himself. Yeah, but as yeah. as Mo went on, they really did kind of use him a lot better for, for me anyway. I think. Um, I've just looked up the, the Maggie episode, which is in season 14, which is quite late, really, for... I know, talking to a lot of people on, on this so far, we've watched a lot of episodes where you think that is the iconic episode for that character. Mm. And I think, for me at least, anyway, that the Maggie episode um, is is the one with Mo. And I think in that episode, Mo um, is trying to commit suicide, which is quite a... a, a yeah, a, a dark and heavy topic, topic yeah. Yeah, for the Simpsons to go into. And it's something that they've actually made a few jokes with um, about him in The Simpsons, some in better taste than others, but just with that episode is that, that stuck in my mind. He's a, I think he's a he's a fantastic character, as well as some absolutely hilarious moments. Like I think in the twenty two um, short stories of Springfield or short films about Springfield, mm. when he's being robbed by Snake and he puts himself in the oxygen and in, in the little bulletproof glass chamber and there's no oxygen for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great one. And um, actually, out of just out of interest, a few years ago, uh, I remember someone, a friend of mine, running a Twitter poll with uh, who was your favorite Simpsons character, and Mo won out. So you've got a popular uh, opinion, but uh, one that hasn't been heard in the show so far. So okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because like he is a terrible person. Uh, like I think that bears saying. Uh, but. You know, he he has always had adversity as well, and he's always soldiered on. And you know, there's the there's the like there's the fact that like you know he they they have those episodes where they dive into like the the heavier side of that. Uh, but like the, there's the fact that he's just like come like he's like watch me go like they have him there in the the kind of the X Files spoof episode, uh, like having stolen a, a killer whale from. Uh, having stolen a killer whale from SeaWorld, just as a throwaway joke. Uh, but, like, it, it, it does kind of show where Mo is coming from in as much as, like, he is a, a kind of a, a cutthroat, shady kind of businessman trying to make his way in the world. Yeah. Who, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, ne- he never fails to take advantage of people either. Like, Homer has suffered multiple times at the hands of Mo. Absolutely. And I think he's um, he. There's a number of episodes where he um, he has animals. There's another one that comes to mind with the the pandas. Is it? Um, I think it's the, is it the episode with with Bart. It's, I think it might be the one of the sideshow Bob episodes, and uh, it might have actually been the the Cape Fear episode where um, Lisa thinks that it's Mo who's trying to kill Bart and sending letters, and uh, rings him and says, "Mo, I know what you're up to. You got to stop, or I'm calling the." cops and he cuts it cuts to Mo at the back releasing a load of pandas into the wild so yeah like you say those kind of uh, sleazy business owner um and he's he's um always up to, to something mm. um 
and he, like yeah, his, some of his um, some of his character development. There's another episode I think where he gets a does he get like a face change or something, and he, he becomes a, a famous actor. So there is some some great episode, and no matter what, if Mo's in an episode, I'm always gonna laugh at him because either laughing with him or laughing at him, he's a he's a great character. And another uh, Hank Azaria who voices so many characters on The Simpsons that I was trying to think who voiced him. It, it's kind of a, a testament to how. Mm. Um, how good a, a, a the range actor. that he has as a voice actor it, yeah it's quite incredible you know um i think as a child when i learned that i think my, my dad told me oh this guy yeah look look at all the characters he voices i don't think i actually believed him for years i know there's been a little bit of controversy um with the apu character but i think he's actually stepped away i don't think they're using that character anymore i think they've retired him but um, yeah hank Azaria is, is is quite a I think maybe underappreciated for how far he has dragged um, this show in terms of the voices he's, he's given them. Just trying to think back through the episode if there's anything else that really sticks out. I mean, there is the ending sequence uh, for that episode, which I believe is, uh, you know, the in, in the far distant future, it's the two different factions debating whether Bart, as a prophet, was either... Uh, did he preach... Uh, respect and tolerance or did he preach uh, love and something else or love and respect or restraint and tolerance or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, that was quite amusing in as much as it kind of finished off in a kind of you know the more things change the more they stay the same this this conflict Mm -hmm. will continue on throughout time no matter what way it goes Uh, which is it's kind of a bleak message uh, for the simpsons uh, I mean, The Simpsons is no stranger to having kind of bleak messages, but, you know, they, they do try to round off on a kind of a wholesome note when they can. Uh, so when when they have, like, Bart kind of make an unusually kind of mature take for Bart, uh, mm-hmm. then kind of disprove him completely in the, in, the, in, the, in the end credit sequence was, or not the end credit sequence, but the, the finishing sequence, it was, it was quite interesting and funny for me. I did actually just when you, when you mentioned it, this episode does have a few kind of um, bleak or kind of straight looks at the real the realities of conflict. Um, like you said, there there's the kind of end conflict where the more things change, the more they stay the same. But also, um, we mentioned it in the break where Homer is discussing uh, he, where if Bart can't get into another school, that Homer will send him straight to the military. And he the quote is, uh, "You'll be sent to America's latest military quagmire. Where will it be? North Korea, Iran, anything's possible." Commander yeah, nobody knows. Yeah, which is you know arguably as relevant as ever. Uh, yeah, and I, I think it was during the Bush administration this episode came out. So uh, yeah, it, it, it was quite a, um, I mean, quite a, a statement to make. Really, I suppose it would have been a time of a lot of um, discussion on the, the 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 realities of American military. Yeah, and uh, foreign um, interventionism and the like. Exactly. Not that it, again. The more things change, the more to say the same. Like you say, things are. It's as relevant now as it as it ever was. As it ever was, both in the kind of I, I guess the kind of the the religious side of it too, uh, mm-hmm. but also again like the kind of the, the commentary on uh, the uh, the American kind of military uh, approach and the the way they treat their military. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that the way that they have that at the end um, as well, where Bart goes runs totally freely and into the paintball, um, which is part of the Protestant. Um, yeah, the onward Christ- young Christian soldiers boot camp thing. Yeah, it kind of maybe a little bit of commentary on the relationship that maybe the the religious fundamental kind of crowd have with the, the military. Yeah, 
And I suppose, like I said earlier, maybe it's a, a testament to kind of the outward-looking nature of The Simpsons in a way a lot of American media can be very introverted and focused and thinking things like, you know, Friends or How I Met Your Mother, obviously maybe not a fair comparison to The Simpsons, which is such an iconic show for this exact reason that it looks outward, but um, that's probably one of its, its greatest strengths is it doesn't fall into the trap of, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's not afraid to tell a little bit of a, an edgy joke without doing it merely for the... Yeah, the, the shock value. Actually, just before we finish up, there was one other bit that really, really made me laugh. Um, and I, I usually really dislike those kind of stereotypical look at Irish people. But when um, the priest played by Liam Neeson in this episode, maybe it's because it was voiced by Liam Neeson, is having his flashback to why he became a priest. Yes. Um, that was one of the, that, that had me properly laughing, guffawing almost, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he recalls what St. Peter said to him. And in a totally deadpan Liam Neeson voice, he says, uh, St. Peter said, "Sean, you wanker, repent your wicked ways or sod off." And then yeah, it was. It was like they, they made they made a great use of his voice there in the flashback. Because <laughs> I've never heard. Well, I have heard. You you hear American people say say wanker, and it doesn't come across just right. But the the use of Liam Neeson's kind of real serious voice, even though he's not playing a very serious. Character, he's not playing a very serious character, no. But like <laughs> he is. Yeah, he he has the reputation for playing serious characters. Although, if ever you want to see. Uh, an interesting look uh, to see Liam Neeson have you, as you've never seen him before. I'd recommend looking at the movie Dark Man. Okay. It's a it's it's a it's a comedy. I don't think it was meant to be a comedy, uh, <laughs> but it's a it's a very kind of a camp eighties superhero flick, revenge flick. It's it's quite funny. Uh, and so, like, I I kind of like it was it was it was kind of funny just to see uh, Liam Neeson reprise uh, a kind of a an irreverent role. Yeah, there there's a there's a few of those kind of um, I'm not sure if they're meant to be comedies. I think Neeson's been in a few. Um, Keanu Reeves definitely been in a few too. So, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. that's I'll, I'll probably I'll probably end up checking out. But um, I suppose with that, it's been a fantastic chat. Thanks for coming on, Ty. Do you want to shout out your own your own Twitter? Uh, quickly there oh yeah uh, we'll do that there at the end so again at UCC Cooperative Society uh, on Twitter uh, check us out we should have some uh, stuff going up there in the the next week or two uh, which should uh, well, it'll be exciting definitely for UCC students uh, and then uh, for our, our more general activist stuff I mean like uh, check out the, the Cooperative Centre in UCC have been great uh, in helping us uh, set up like there is there is a, a, a an academic branch of UCC dedicated to studying co-ops which we didn't know when we were trying to set up but no they've been a, a godsend so uh, maybe maybe check them out too and I suppose for people outside of UCC in Ireland um, I suppose to, if, if it's okay to say to an extent a point of this society is to try and maybe um, like you said earlier move outside of Cork and across the, the country so not just people in UC, I think I couldn't encourage anyone who's uh, either has been, is going to be, or is currently a student, because um, things like these are only going to benefit people. So definitely, definitely do check. check oh yeah, like we're, we're trying to get as much people involved as possible. We'll be having our uh, AGM uh, in, in semester one, and uh, we're looking to make some changes to our constitution already to perhaps get a, a post-grad rep uh, and an international student rep in as well, just to, to help with spreading things around and getting new perspectives in. So, uh, you know, the, fu the future is exciting. That's absolutely fantastic. I, I can't wait to, to follow from slightly afar. Um, so, um, so with that, thanks a million, Ty, for coming on. 
and thanks to everyone for listening it's been a, it's been great um and thank you for everyone's patience during the hiatus um there might be a few updates in terms of schedule so keep an eye on t- our twitter and instagram at simpsons show ie and um with that yeah thanks Yeah.